Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soul Survivor Podcast. We have our episode eight, I believe, merge episode uh, recap tonight. Uh, I'm here along with my co-host, Ryan Winthrop. Uh, we do not have Hef along for the ride tonight, but, you know, me and Ryan are here. And let's get right to it. I thought it was an incredible merge episode. What do you, what do you think, Ryan? Yeah, crazy merge episode. We saw the comeback challenge. Uh, where Tyson gets his way back into the game. We see a lot of scrambling on Cam, kind of a war between Sophie and Jeremy in a way. Uh, classic immunity challenge, really good editing, so we didn't know who was going home at Tribal Council. Pretty good merge episode, I would say. Yeah, I, I really, I thought I thought it was great. Um, the challenge, and I know we'll talk about this, the challenge to get back in was phenomenal. And of course, we had Rob and Tyson battling it out, just like a lot of people thought, just like a lot of people wanted to see. So, a lot to talk about. Um, obviously, the vote, it was the first time in a long time that I did not feel anxiety over a huge threat or a fan favorite going home. <laughs> and that was kind of nice. But uh, again, we'll talk about we'll talk about all this. And as normal, we'll go in chronological order of the episode talking about what happened. Um, so let's get started. So the episode starts out, Edge of Extinction, they're already reading the the card that they got that said that they were going right back to that. They were going to go right back into the game uh, challenge. Um, now something that was speculated that did happen was it was the same exact challenge that Rick Devins won in order to get back in edge of extinction season 38. Personally, I think that that is one of my favorite challenges ever run. I think it's incredible between the three part you have to, you know, you have the physical part where you have to untie and climb that rope maze. Then you have to do the classic, uh, tie the sticks together, grab the key, open the door. And then I think that that dexterity type snake kind of thing at the end is phenomenal. One yeah, no, I think, sorry, no, I just think that, um, it's a great challenge. And I think that's cool because, Obviously, I feel like the, the most deserving person should win the challenge, but it's cool with the snake at the end. It has like a sort of carnival. I mean, obviously, it's skill based because you have to figure out how to maneuver it up the uh, pattern. But there is a component where the ball can drop at any time. So you're never really out of it, which makes it more exciting for a TV audience. But no, I thought it was really, really great. I could have seen like five different people win this challenge. Obviously, it was between Rob and Tyson. It was a photo finish. I mean, you got to feel bad for Rob here. Rob... Uh, theme of the season is he's always so close in these challenges and he loses by a second each time it's really tough to watch yeah and i was and as a lot of people speculated before the challenge you know they had to use they had to use the fire tokens um now him and him and uh, rob and natalie had the same strategy of using three tokens on an idol and then amber gave the one token to rob which a lot of people thought was going to happen um amber gave the token to rob rob also had the advantage in the challenge and then the other people to have the advantage in the challenge besides rob and natalie were ethan tyson and danny so they all had one fire token uh, those three uh those five have had the had at least one fire token that they used on the advantage now the advantage was something that honestly they made it seem like it was a pretty big time difference and it may have been because those bags were pretty deep down there mm -hmm. uh, but in a in a challenge where you have a crazy kind of dexterity thing at the end, that's not that's not much of an advantage. Like it is technically a time advantage, but doesn't really help you that much. Now, technically, the person who won Tyson and the person who came in second, Rob, both did have the advantage. But I didn't think that it was. I thought I expected something a lot bigger than that. Well, we talked about this on the podcast last week, where we said advantages 
aren't always a guarantee win. They, they can be defined in different ways. Famously, Malcolm had the advantage in Philippines where he got a second life and it didn't help him at all. Um, so I feel like you need to read into it. And like Tyson said, like, do I really need this advantage or am I good enough that I can win without it? And I think that this first advantage was they didn't have to dig up the string, but they said you can buy up to three advantages. So I wonder what the other two would have been. Would one of them have been, instead of untying three bags, you only have to untie two at the start. Maybe then the second advantage was not taking for the string. And maybe the third advantage was you already have like two or three wood pieces put together for you. So I feel like um, the question now becomes, like you said, we see Natalie say to herself, I'm going to put three of my tokens to an idol and one of my tokens to an advantage. But Tyson famously said last week or two weeks ago that why would I put tokens to an idol if I'm not even guaranteed to be back? I need to save those for the challenge. So you have to wonder, did Natalie make the wrong move here? Um, did Rob, instead of Rob, Rob also went for an idol too and an advantage. So should Rob have gone for more advantages? Yeah, that's something I was going to ask you. I'm pretty surprised. I guess Rob felt that he would have a big enough target on his back where he needed the idol if he were to get yeah. back in. So he needed to play it. And that makes sense. But Natalie, who has friends over there, I'm pretty surprised she did not use more advantages. Um, but I guess your number one priority if you're on edge of extinction is got to be getting back into the game. So I maybe am a little bit surprised that at least Natalie or Rob didn't use another one of the advantage and decided to go for the idol, especially Natalie. Um, but yeah, what a challenge it was um, down to the last second. Um, and, and, and Tyson ended up winning, which I did predict before the episode. So a fan favorite is back. Tyson is back and another huge threat is back into the game. The last OG, as he calls himself, the last uh, old school player. We'll see if he can uh, route it out from here. I mean, I, I would have been happy with most of these people coming back, Dylan. Uh, Tyson was one or two for me. So it's exciting to see Tyson back at the game. Like, like we talked about, if anyone listening watched our podcast with Russell last week, you know, Tyson's somebody who, other than making his mistake in Heroes versus Villains, he's someone who learns every time he plays and he's always so astute and kind of like he said when jeff asked him a question he's very funny but he kind of wears it as a mask he's actually really really deep down like sensitive and very social when you get to know him so i think tyson could be positioned well coming back into this game yeah i think for sure and i think what was one of the most impressive things is I, they asked him this at tribal they're like what have, what have you been doing like since you got back like have you have you tried to position yourself in the right way because they could just as jeff said they could just say let's send let's send them right back to edge of extinction and, you know we've seen mm -hmm. that happen in redemption island when rob sent matt right back to, to redemption island after coming back like we've seen something like that happen where a player gets back into the game and they're immediately sent right back but tyson you know he said he you know kind of just kept his mouth shut and went with the flow and he realized that at the very beginning of the game he was trying to do too much and that's just not something that you could do in an all-winter season um, so I, yeah, I think he did a really good job of lowering his threat level. I mean, obviously he's still a huge threat, but as best as he could lower his threat level for the short term, um, right as he got back into the game. But now that we finished talking about the edge of extinction challenge and Tyson getting back in, let's discuss the actual merge and all the other players. Um, one thing that I thought was extremely interesting was at the merge feast where, where they asked what happened, they asked Denise what happened with Sandra and she I mean, I guess she had to. She had to because people know. She told them the exact move in front of everybody. Um, not something you see very often. She told them all about both idols play, uh, played, how she took Sandra's idol for her, played it for herself, gave one to Jeremy, voted her out, and all of a sudden, Denise seems to have a pretty big target on her back. Yeah, I, I feel like, and again, it's not great because your threat level skyrockets after that, but 
I mean, what can she do? I mean, she can't really lie about the move because, you know, in her sake, God forbid that she gets on the opposite page of, you know, Tony or Kim and they're trying to like vote her out. They can use ammunition and say, hey, Denise didn't tell you the whole truth of what happened last night because Denise could have went in there and said, yeah, I played an aisle for myself. All the votes were gone and I voted out Sandra. And then Kim and Tony could have been like, well, yeah, but you also had one for Jeremy too. Like Tyler says in the chat, you don't really have much of a choice there. And maybe on like a new player season, you can get away with that. But the winners will call you out if you leave out any details. So I, th I think you're kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Um, taking out Sandra in and of itself is a big move. So I feel like all Denise can do here is just own that I made a big move, but I'm still not as big of a threat as these other people. That's what she has to do. Yeah, I just wanted to throw it out there. I completely agree. You got you have really no choice there. Otherwise, somebody's going to go behind your back and be like, yeah. well, she lied, and then that's the end of her. So, yeah, I mean, I think Denise handled it basically as well as she could. Um, but now she's pretty much seen by everybody else as a huge threat. And I think that, you know, that's something we're going to see going forward. Denise, while, you know, she is great socially, so I do expect her to be able to handle this well. But for the first time in her, in her Survivor um, I would say career, um, she's viewed as a big threat. So that kind of leads leads to our next top topic of conversation. The main strategy of a lot of these merged players is something that we did see at the beginning of the game is that the big threats are trying to stick together. And it makes sense because if you're a Tony, if you're a Jeremy, if you're a Tyson, why wouldn't you want all these guys, you know, if you're a Cam also, why wouldn't you want all these strong players sitting next to you? It takes a target off your back and you live to see another day. No, it's real. It's what basically Jeremy has always touted as a strategy in Cambodia, where you know the big threats got to stick together. We have to be meat shields for each other. Now the question really becomes kind of like a philosophical question of like who's the biggest meat shield and who's like the most lean meat shield. Because yeah, you want to surround yourself with threats, but if you're the biggest meat shield, you're going to get taken out first. So I think it's a great strategy for Tony, um, Tyson, Ben, and uh, Jeremy to align because they are big threats. Jeremy pulls in Wendell as an ally. I'm sure that they thought they had, you know, Sarah as well, probably, or a couple other people. And yeah, though, this is the right move. Even though it doesn't work out for Jeremy in this episode, he made the right move here going with those people because you can't trust people like Adam. You can't trust people like Ben or Nick. So I think that Jeremy did what he had to do. And I think that even though he's going to come out of deficit this episode, he can maybe come back even better. Yeah, I think it's really funny, by the way, that Ben Ben's going around being like, oh, big threats like us. And, you know, no, nobody in the audience, nobody watching sees Ben as a huge threat. But it really is the right move for him to stick with them because they do have the numbers. And mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I I think that in terms, look, maybe Ben would be perceived to some people as a big threat to win challenges. I think that's maybe what he meant. Um, I don't know about a thre threat to win the game, but I do think it's the right move for him to align with those people. He is in okay. the numbers. I feel like it's actually the opposite, though. I feel like because we don't see everything on the show. I mean, yeah. To the audience, like we're not seeing everything that Ben's doing. We're just seeing Ben be kind of goofy on camera. Ben kind of just, um, and by the way, no matter how good Ben is doing or not, the way he handled Adam coming up to him was absolutely terrible where Adam says to him like, hey, what's the plan? And Ben said, I just came back. I don't know. Ask somebody else. Like, it's very obvious that you don't want to tell Adam what's going on. But putting right. that aside though for a second, I think that we don't see everything. So I think Ben is a big threat to these players. I mean, you see Ben season, he gets idol after idol after idol. He wins the challenges. He was good socially in the pre-merge. I think to these players, Ben is a big threat. And I think that's why he's saying that. So as audience members, we don't really feel that way. It's the truth. It's kind of like how everyone seeing Game Changer said, oh, you know, Sarah's great, but like I didn't see her really um, 
like she, she didn't really seem like she was having fun out there or people didn't really seem like they connected. And then after the season, everybody says, oh, Sarah was my best friend. Sarah is like the coolest person ever. So I feel like we have different perceptions as the audience and we don't really see what the players see sometimes. Yeah, spot on. I mean, that's definitely a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and now moving on to the immunity challenge. Yeah. We did have a little bit of a twist in what was a classic, classic survivor challenge. I'm sure that everybody there was happy that poverty did not win her way back in because she would have won immunity tonight, probably. Um, but yeah, hang on a pole for as long as you could with the little footholds. And now it's even harder because it was pouring rain. It was freezing cold. So it's not easy to hang on to a pole when it's really slippery. And the little twist was that there were two immunity necklaces given out tonight, one to the to the first, uh, to the last man standing and one to the last woman standing. And I knew right from the start that Denise was going to do well in this, and I was spot on. Yeah, usually yeah. with these endurance challenges, I mean, anyone can win a challenge on any given day. But if you look at the records and the stats, most times endurance challenges or challenges where you need to hold on to something are usually won by women. I mean, granted this is a challenge where a man and a woman are both going to win, but you look at Denise's frame. She, you know, she's smaller. She can easily wrap around the pole. Kim is somebody who is, has, she's, she's more lanky. She has more legs. Um, no, I think Denise was slotted to win this coming in. If you had asked me what guy was going to win, I would have had a hard choice. Maybe I would have said Adam. Cause Adam is also smaller like Denise, but Adam doesn't really win these types of challenges. So it was kind of, I knew Denise was going to get it, but I was kind of interested to see what guy would take it. So, yeah, I picked, Tyson to win this challenge he didn't um but I think he won it on his first season like Jeff said yeah yeah I mean I I yeah I I felt like he would he would be pretty good at this and you know I just it it changes everything when the conditions are like that but you gotta remember that Jeremy is a firefighter as well and we do have a we do have a question coming in here uh from Andrew who says do we think Jeremy made himself too big of a target by winning the challenge what do you think Ryan Uh, see we were talking about this offline before we came on and At first, I said, I think it was kind of risky to go for it. You never want to go for the first challenge because you're already seen as a threat. This is always why Andrea is always targeted after the merge because she usually wins the first challenge. So I get what Andrew's saying that, you know, going for it makes you a big threat. But like Dylan pointed out to me, when you're a big player like Jeremy and you're also on Winners at War, you sometimes you can't throw these challenges because then it could be you you have to just go for it to ensure your safety sometimes. Yeah. I mean, if you're Jeremy, you got to worry about staying in another day. This is not like one of his other seasons that he played where he could kind of downplay his strength. He's got to rely on his social game and win as many immunities as he could, because look, you got to survive another day. That's that's it's winners at war. They're going to look to get rid of the big threats, even though right now the big threats are all aligning. It's eventually going to happen. And being that it's a merge boot and you don't really know what's going to happen. There's always that, you know, frenzy that goes on after the merge. It's just, it's a challenge that you have to try and win. It's as simple as that, in my opinion. Yeah. A question I have for you though, is do you think that Jeremy went for it also because he, the winner gets a fire token? Do you think he was enticed by that as well? Because we see people throw challenges to not be threats, but if you're offered a token as well, along with safety, like that's, that's a tempting offer. I didn't even think of that, honestly, but yeah, I mean, if a fire token's at stake, you those players don't know what the fire token is going to get them later in the game. I know that they were presented with the menu right when they got to camp, uh, the merge, and they were able to see how much certain things cost. But you don't know when Jeremy is going to, you know, need an idol or you know need need an advantage of some sort. So, yeah, I do think that that definitely played a role in him. And if they look, I'm curious to see if they offer fire tokens to the winner every single time. Maybe it will completely prevent people from throwing challenges. 
Yeah, we'll see. I think if we don't see it next week, it's not going to be guaranteed every week. Maybe it was just a merge specialty. But if we see it every week, that's going to be tempting because like we saw when Tony read the menu, everything's now increased. <laughs> As Tony put it, he's the kid that can't buy a bubble gum at the store. But um, basically, <laughs> all the prices are increased. So now if you want an idol, you want an advantage, it's now extra tokens. So you have to go in for these challenges. Yeah, for sure. Um, and now we get back from the immunity challenge. And Jeremy is talking about how he wants to get out Nick because he wants to align, align with Wendell. Him and Wendell are pretty tight. Um, he wants to align with Wendell, but he doesn't want Nick to be Wendell's number one. He wants to be Wendell's number one. Um, and Wendell's also, while he's playing a low ca- low threat game out of the out of the low profile guys, as they were calling it, Wendell would probably be the biggest threat out of all of them. So I do think that that's another reason why Jeremy wanted to keep him around. And so his first first thing when they get back to camp nick 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 and then they had that weird edit where it looks like nick was just butting in on everybody's conversations and i thought that was really funny because nick he has that like awkward social game but it works like he won the first season um he's a very good social player so i just i thought that was very funny to see just the way he's kind of peeping in on everybody's conversations um but like it's always been this season the quote-unquote first name mentioned is never ever the person that goes home and that was what happened again tonight and craziness pretty much ensued after Jeremy did throw out Nick's name. Yeah. I mean, again, like I said earlier, you can't really fault Jeremy. I think Jeremy's line of thinking was good throughout the episode and we'll see where he ends up casting a vote against Wendell. I think his thinking is still right on the money. Basically this is actually something that uh, Spencer did with Jeremy when they played in second chance where Spencer wanted to take out Fishback because Fishback and Jeremy were like uh, this after uh, Jeremy saved him. And Spencer was like, if I could take out Fishback, I could be closer to Jeremy. So it's a, it is a good strategy. Now, granted, like Jeremy pointed out, if Wendell, um, if somebody catches wind that you're trying to take out their number one so you can be closer, like if Wendell caught wind that Jeremy wanted to take out Wendell, uh, Nick, that wouldn't be good because then Wendell can't really trust him. But if you can take out somebody to make yourself closer, and you're not seen as a driver, that's the right move. The best players are those who make the moves but aren't seen as the driver. So Jeremy was right on with that, honestly. And that's always been Jeremy's game going back yeah. to, as you did mention, as a, uh, the season he won in 31, season 31. And I did expect Jeremy to operate this way. Um, but it is you do run that risk because now you can make an argument that Jeremy did not have a good episode just because Wendell was the one who ended up going home. And he basically spent what seems like a large portion of the time trying to sway the vote so that Adam would go home and not Wendell. So he could, he could, you know, or, or Nick at the very beginning, but so he could keep Wendell around, tried to get rid of Nick originally. So he could be closer to Wendell. And then Wendell ends up going home, the person that he planned on aligning with the rest of the game. So while Jeremy did ended up voting Wendell, he didn't really have a choice because you got to go with the flow. You can't put yourself down in the numbers. Um, so while I thought as all this is happening, I'm like, Oh, here comes Jeremy. He's going to, end up playing like a really really solid game socially and he's just gonna again be a driver that maybe not everyone is seeing and then it's kind of backfired in his face so jeremy i think is in trouble going forward but we've seen jeremy recover from this so many times um he could rely on that brilliant social game he has and i you know i don't, who knows he could turn around next time and be like sophie was the one who drove the votes for wendell let's vote at sophie she's the one driving the game not me so you never know what could happen but i did think that you know, it was rough for Jeremy having Wendell go home. No, you're right. I mean, if you're looking at it like stocks, Jeremy's stock went down tonight. Not only do you 
win a challenge and you put a target on your back, but you also lose your biggest ally and you're kind of seen as a big player. It's not good. But I think the one hope for Jeremy is that when you get, when you lose an ally like that, you kind of fall into the background because you're seen as weaker. So when I guarantee you, when Jeremy lost Natalie in the first episode, he easily fell back in the pecking order because people were like, well, we're not going to vote on Jeremy now. He lost Natalie. He's not a threat anymore. Kind of like when uh, in their first season, when Natalie lost Jeremy, she went on to win because no one was threatened by her anymore. So I think that Jeremy did have a down episode, but I think he can recover pretty well, mainly, again, because this time he also voted with the numbers. Natalie, he got completely blindsided. This time he at least saw the pendulum coming back to hit him. So he at least went with it, like you said. Um, But yeah, let's talk about Sophie. You also brought up Sophie. Sophie, amazing episode. And uh, talk about her read on the big players. Yeah, so just before you get to um, Sophie, I think Jeremy's move going forward, I think Jeremy's move going forward is to fade back into the background a little bit and, Mm -hmm. you know, just maybe take a few votes off, kind of stick with the majority and just make, because you don't want to be seen like the guy who tried, tried, tried to drive the boat and failed. So. Look, I think he's probably just going to lay low for a few episodes if he does survive that long. Um, but yeah, let's talk about Sophie. Um, I'm not even sure in real time if I realized how brilliant Sophie was in this episode. Mm-hmm. Now, she has she's been, in my opinion, I thought I, I kept saying Michelle, 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 but Sophie's been right there in terms of how impressive she's been this season. Now, what and you know what's even more impressive is that Michelle has been while Michelle has been pretty brilliant. She's been playing from down in the numbers all game. Sophie has been playing brilliant, but she's been up in the numbers all game. And I think that tonight she, you know, people realize that she is playing, but she, you know, managed to not have a target on her back and she was in the majority and she drove the vote. So, and like she said, one of the main reasons she wanted to do that is because she didn't want Jeremy to get too strong. So really good job by her tonight. No, Sophie is a really, really astute astute player. We've been saying this from the start. Not only does she have an idol, but she, has a great read on, read on the game. Right away, picks up on the fact that Jeremy and Wendell are talking. They're close. I can see a scenario where the big targets are aligning. And that's exactly what's happening. She has a really good read on the game. And then she says, listen, Jeremy has immunity. But what's the next best thing? Is to take out Jeremy's right arm in Wendell. And I'm going to pull together all these other people and take him out. And I think so, like uh, Dylan says in the chat, actually, you know, uh, Sophie clearly has pull. Like, obviously, these big players, you know, we saw in the early part of the game, you know, people are kind of drawn to Boston Rob. So you would think, oh, you know, if Tony and Tyson and Jeremy are aligning, maybe the Adams and Michelles will go with them. But Sophie clearly has a lot of pull over these not spotlight winners, like Tony called them. So I feel like Sophie stock definitely went up for her this episode. She ends up getting out Wendell and also weakening Jeremy at the same time. And I think that that's something we've seen a lot this season is like a reason why Rob, when he, when Rob went out, he, he didn't really, there was really nothing he could have done. And they just pretty much stripped him of all of his allies at the very beginning, weakened him. And then they got him out. Now we kept saying, just vote at Boston Rob, but what they did ended up really working. And maybe they're trying to do the same thing with Jeremy where like, yeah, they'll keep him around, but if they keep cutting off his allies, there's only so much he could do. So yeah. I am curious to see um, how this goes going forward. Now, I think that we have to talk about the editing once again. And this is something that was mentioned by Hef last week is the MVP of the episode. Cause you just, this season, I feel like at least the last three or four votes. I know last week I thought Wendell was going home. This week, I thought I thought it was going to be like an 11-1 vote for Adam. And I, I didn't think that – I thought that like a lot a lot of episodes, they try to steer you wrong where you're like, uh, where like there's like Adam's so obvious that 
it's not going to be Adam, and that's what they did this tonight. But I didn't, I just didn't get that vibe. I was like, Wendell's name hasn't been mentioned in a while. Nick's name hasn't been mentioned in a while. Like maybe they are just going to go with an easy vote. It is an all winter season when you could get an easy vote. Maybe that's something that could appeal to players. But yeah, really, honestly, just no idea what's going to happen going forward. Um, no idea what's going to happen. Pretty much like when you're watching each episode, it's been it's been really cool. No, editing's been editing's been amazing. Honestly, um, the best episodes are the ones that we don't know who's going home. And yeah, we're used to in Survivor history. We're used to it's like okay, it's either player A or B. But tonight it was like, is it A with Nick? Is, is it Wendell? Is it Adam? Like, what's going to happen? So it was really cool to see what was going to really shake up at Tribal. Um, but I like you said earlier, I'm glad that the big threats weren't really seen as the vote tonight, and it was more so who of the non-spotlight winners we're going to take out and i think this actually is a trend we're seeing recently if you look back at previous seasons ever since a certain point because as you know back in the day the merge boot was always a huge target was the merge boots right now i feel like lately it's like a consensus vote like who as a merge this is such a, cha- a chaotic time where is the one person we can find consensus consensus in so in game changers we saw Haley go out in uh, david versus goliath we saw elizabeth get voted out we usually see somebody who is maybe more quieter get voted out because it's a, c- a consensus. So yeah, I'm glad the big players stuck around tonight, um, hoping that they can recover from this. And it's funny because I'm a little bit disappointed that that's how Wendell ended up going home because I thought that this season was just building up, up, up for like Michelle and Wendell to work together a little bit longer and then Michelle just cut him right off and vote him out. Um, now Michelle, who, you know, she was, I, and I, sa- I said to you, I said, Michelle and Wendell are together. Like that's to me, that was maybe Michelle didn't want to go to the end with Wendell, but for the, for the recent thing, for the recent time, they were going to be together. I thought they were going to be together. I expected them to work together and she got burned here for sure. Um, by Wendell getting voted out. And she, I believe is in trouble. And I, I know that she's great socially weaving her way back in, but tough loss for Michelle tonight. It's yeah, funny. No. Cause I, I, I had, I had Michelle and Jeremy is probably my top two players who were in the best positions um, going into the merge here and they both did not have good episodes so it honestly i think that if we had to look look forward i think that pretty much i think everybody except for adam and ben have a chance to win and i'm being completely honest about that like i think it's wide open right now yeah and look i in this scenario adam and ben could still win i just think that like you were saying the rest of these players have had a better edit or a better story in this season so far than Adam and Ben have. And I guess you also could argue Nick hasn't had the most flattering edits as well, which is unfortunate. Oh, I, I would agree with that. I think, yeah. I think Nick is a good player, a good social player. Um, but no, I think that even though, you know, Michelle and Jeremy are kind of down this week after having a rough episode, I think they can easily bounce back. Michelle had a lot of times in her original season where she lost an ally. She was on the ropes and she came back and won. Michelle could easily go far in this game um but no i mean the, the winners tonight are you know sophie sophie comes out as a big player in this game and, uh, and honestly the only person that was really talking about sophie to get out was wendell wendell said to jeremy sophie's with me but she's playing and clearly sophie wasn't with him and she played him um but no one else is really talking about her so i think sophie's up um a few other people i want to talk about really quickly is some people we actually didn't see at all this episode like kim and sarah um what are your thoughts on them so i think that both were in good positions coming into the merge i still think both of them are fine now it it always puzzles me because i'm just waiting for the kim moments to come they haven't came yet 
Um, but she seems to be in a good position. No one's talking about her. Um, she's a huge threat because she could win immunity challenges. She's great. So she's great socially. So I do expect her to get involved eventually. And Sarah, she still has her steal vote uh, advantage and she's in with Sophie and she's in with Ben and she's in with, and she, she's just, and I mean, she's going to be in with Tony as well. So I think Sarah's in a really good position, I think. Um, and I think Kim is in a really good position as well. So like I said, I, I, right now, I think it's wide open between um, those eight players that we mentioned, maybe Nick a little bit below the tops. Oh, well, how many there's left now? So Tyson came back. Okay. So there was, there's a lot, uh, after the, after Tyson came back, there's 12, right? So yeah. I think that, in the bottom tier in terms of people that could win is Nick uh, and then Adam and Ben. But I think that between the, the top nine and w- Wendell's voted as a top eight now, I think that they are all in a pretty good position and I think all could honestly win the game. Yeah, no, I think Kim is still in a great spot. I think when you're a big name like Kim and you're not even being talked about, you're in a good spot for now. We saw last episode, she said, you know, now I have options. Now I'm kind of working with uh, Tony and Jeremy, but I also could go with Denise as well. I think Kim has options. Kim's not going to be seen as a threat. Um, And like we said, if you're Kim and you're that kind of a caliber of a player and you're not a threat, you're doing a good job. So she's in a good position going forward. And Sarah, I got to say, I am super impressed with Sarah. I I love Sarah in Game Changers. Someone who I drafted back then was an amazing player. But I said coming into the season, she's the most recent female winner. She plays hard. She's got a big target. She's not going to make it far in this game. And Sarah hasn't been brought up once the only time she was a target was when Rob got voted out, but that was kind of like a fake editing target. Sarah has not been on the radar at all. And I think that speaks to how good her social game is. Like, like I mentioned earlier. Yeah. And we have a question here from Dylan. He says, do you think that, do you think that Sophie will pull Michelle in? If you notice Michelle was the one consoling Sophie before the immunity challenge. I think Michelle's going to find her way in some way. So I don't think she's in I, she's in trouble for now, but that could change within 20 minutes of the next episode because that's how good she is socially. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think that's a possibility. I also think that Michelle could... I know that they voted different ways tonight, but I think that Michelle and Jeremy, um, that's something that I know they had a very good relationship at the beginning of this game. That's something that I think could we could possibly see going forward. Now, what I'm curious is right now, so let's talk about the which way the votes went because we're not positive. But I think that yeah. the most obvious, at least the most, at least it seems like the three votes for Adam were Wendell, um, Michelle, and Nick, right? Yeah. And then the rest went on Wendell. Correct. So nine Sorry. to three. So those, so, right. So those, so those three are at the bottom. And I'm curious if Jeremy, now we'll see if he, we'll see how like, you know, how charged he is from this vote. You know, that didn't go his way. I know he did vote Wendell, but we'll see. But may, will he, you know, lower lower his target and fade into the background for a little bit? Or is he going to try to stir something up? Maybe he, maybe he teams up with Michelle and takes a few other big threats with him and then turns around and gets somebody else out. So I don't, I don't really know which way this is going to go, but it looks like those three are on the outs and in trouble as of now. Yeah, no, I need to rewatch this episode. And also I need to, like, take a board and draw out all the alliances because I'm so – interested about how everything's breaking down because i think like we saw tonight we're seeing big targets versus like smaller targets so so if we're going off that logic the alliances are tyson tony jeremy and ben after wendell gets voted out over here and then you have like denise adam michelle sophie that's how it's presented to us but if you go back to last episode where we have the three tribes it's got to kind of clear that sarah and sophie are tight 
and they have Ben from Yara. So that's three. They have Adam too, but they probably don't trust Adam that much. So maybe Adam is like a extra vote for them, but not in their core. So if you have Sophie, Sarah, and Ben, and then you have Adam, seems like they pulled over Denise or Denise pulled them over. I would have thought that DeCall uh, would have stuck together. That was Tony, Denise, Kim, and Jeremy. I would have thought they would have stuck together, but apparently not. So again, I need to watch this episode. I need to see what other people online are saying, but I need to really figure out where the alliances are positioned right now. And granted, in Modern Survivor, alliances can change with voting blocks week to week. So I'm not sure how it's going to turn out, but I need to really figure out where people are aligned because where I thought people were coming into the merge aren't where they are right now. Right. And just to clarify, Wendell gave his two fire tokens. He gave one to Michelle, Mm -hmm. one to Nick, which I think further signifies that that was probably the three that voted together. Um, Even though Wendell seemed unsure, um, that's what I think happened. And we'll find out when the Survivor Twitter account tweets. They usually tweet a video maybe tomorrow where we'll see for sure if that was the case. And I'm sure it was. Um, Now, one player I want to talk about is everyone's favorite, Tony. Now, not only did Tony get back on Twitter this week, but, oh, yeah. but but I think he had a incredibly underrated episode. So I'll I'll start off here. So I think first, the fact that he wasn't brought up as a merge boot is huge. Second, the fact that Tyson came back and is huge for him, because it's another big threat. And the fact that all the big threats are working together is another win for him. So I actually think that while a lot of people had Tony low down in their power rankings, um, just because he's a huge threat, a lot of people had him low down in the power rankings going into the merge. I think he's a huge winner for tonight. I think he skies up. And I do think that there is a legit path for Tony to the end of this game. Like we never thought we'd be having this conversation. We thought Tony would be one of the first boots because he's such a huge threat. And here we are. No, Tony, you're 100% right. Tony's doing amazing this season. We get the confessional in the premiere where he says, these guys, they're scared of me. I know why. I'm going to stay at camp. I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to look for no idols, no advantages. And they're going to lower their guard day by day, and at the end, I'll strike. And I think that I think that's a very telling confessional. Tony clearly saw what I did in Game Changers did not work. I got to do the complete opposite, and I think it's working for him. He really, other than him diving into the Spy Shack, which is great TV, but other than him going to the Spy Shack a few weeks ago, he's been doing so well. Like you said, not even a target at the merge. Um, you got to wonder, actually, could, could Tony be – the Jeremy this season. And what I mean by that is in Cambodia, we see Jeremy is, well, he's the Jeremy, but Jeremy is surrounded by Joe and Savage as his meat shields. And like Fishback is kind of like his, um, his uh, brain shield or like his uh, smart shield, like Sophie called them. Um, and Jeremy was the one who surrounded himself with shields and he got to the end. Got We have to wonder, you know, Jeremy was seen as a big driver tonight by Sophie. Is Tony the new Jeremy? Is Tony the one that says, look, I have Jeremy now. I have Ben. I have Tyson. Sarah could be a big threat. I guarantee you, like Russell said last week, um, if Cops Ross is targeted, I think Sarah might go before Tony, honestly, because Tony has not been looking for idols. So his threat level is super low. I'm super happy about it. I know you're super happy about it. Hef is super happy about it. Um, No, I think Tony's positioned very well right now. Yeah, so besides Sophie, who had an incredible episode, and I would even say Denise for winning the immunity challenge, but... um, a huge winner tonight, in my opinion, was Tony, and he's just skying up my ranks. I think that there's a legit path. And it's interesting that you bring up the Jeremy comparison. Um, now, I assume that we'll probably, unless Tony's voted out like within the next two episodes, I think we'll probably see, we'll probably see Tony make a big, make a big move at some point. 
but right now he's kind of just laid low. But in my opinion, now this is this is it's kind of different. It's kind of reverse psychology here. But a lot of times the player who kind of just lays low is and and doesn't make flashy moves is always is a lot a lot of times seen as the one who you know is the is the goat at the end, kind of the one that doesn't get any votes. But I think it's as impressive this season what Tony's doing as anybody who's making flashy moves. Like the only path for him to succeed in this season was making no flashy moves, at least at the very beginning. So Tony's doing a phenomenal job. And I asked Russell last night, for those who don't know, um, we did do a, we were on live with Russell Hans last night on his show. We were talking about our survivor bracket, um, which we did actually launch, but Russell saw it, wanted it to get more votes and we reseeded stuff. And Russell and us are launching that tomorrow, Thursday, uh, April 2nd. Very excited for it. It's going to get a ton of votes. Um, we're releasing the bracket. Um, we've already spoke about the seating in the video, but we're releasing the actual bracket tomorrow. Uh, so be sure to vote and tune in and, and, and participate in that. But um, I asked Russell yesterday, I said, if you were back, if you happen to have won the season, season 19 that you were on and Natalie won, I said, okay. I said, what would you have done? If you were, would you have done the same thing? Like, how would you have approached this? Would you have been Russell? This would you have been the same Russell? And we know that some players like Rob, Rob is always going to play Rob's game. Like it doesn't matter. He's not going to lay low. It's just not going to happen. And Russell said, I would have done exactly what Tony's done. So look, a lot of, uh, very interesting that he said that, but a lot of credit to Tony. I think he won't necessarily. Now, if you listen to a lot of other podcasts, I'm not sure they'll call Tony a big winner, but I'm huge on Tony after this episode, huge stock up in my opinion. No, Tony's been great. Um, I think a lot of people often say sometimes that sometimes like the biggest move you can make isn't really making moves. And if your social game is good enough, you don't need big flashing moves. Denise made a flashy move and look at her. Now she was a potential target if she didn't win immunity tonight. Uh, so yeah, Tony could get to the end there and somebody could, on the jury could say like, Tony, you're known for your idols. You're known for your big flashy gameplay. You were more quiet this season. Like, why should I award you a win for playing a more subdued game? And he's going to say, well, that's you should award me the win because I changed my game from Game Changers. I saw that I went out second there. It didn't work. How can somebody at my level, Tony Vlaco is one of the biggest like name winners of all time. How can I get to the end of this game is to reinvent myself, play as a more subdued player, make better relationships, not rely on idols, rely on my bonds and my strategy. Maybe I'll make one big move here and that's it. And that's all I need. I really think that Tony is learning from his mistakes. It's, it's kind of like in um, Second Chance where everybody said, okay, how are you going to win? Like, what is your second chance? I think Kelly Wentworth actually, her jury question to the final three was, what was your second chance? Like, what did you do to change your game? And Jeremy was like, I did the meat shields this time. I played for my family. I relied on this, this, and this. That's how I changed my game. And I guarantee you people will say, this is winners at war. Why do you deserve to be the best winner? Because he reinvented himself. So I think he's great. Look, and there, and of course, like I said, it's not common, but I don't, and I hate to cite Island of the Idols, but <laughs> there, but there, but there are times like Tommy played a great game socially. He didn't have any advantages. He, I believe, I don't, he didn't have any advantages, did he? Tommy and Idols, in, in Islands of the Idols, Tommy did not have any advantages. Is that correct? No, he had no Idols, no advantages. And, and he didn't, and he didn't win any challenges. Is that also correct? Uh, maybe one one. All uh, right, he, but not, not much, not much. Regard, no. Regardless, he downplayed his physical his hit the, himself as a physical threat. He didn't. He played an old school survivor game and still won. So I think that Tony's transition from a crazy, insane new school type game, revolutionary new school type game 
to getting voted out for uh, second in uh, Game Changers just because he was still that crazy Tony to transitioning into an old school social type player is that's Tony's story. And I think that there is, there is a legit chance for Tony. So and if you look at the jury, if you look at the jury, who's on the jury right now, all the old schoolers, if they see him playing a more old school style game, they may really respect that. Like Ewell, who's a really smart guy might say, look, I could vote for the biggest flashiest player. Like Denise is making all these moves, but I guarantee you someone that's old school, very smart, like Ewell is going to look at Tony and say, I'm going to vote for the guy who was never a target despite coming into this game as the biggest name on the board. And that's a huge credit in his favor. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Tony, great spot. Very excited to watch him going forward. Uh, and now I want to open it up to questions. Yeah, for, for sure. Anybody, anybody watching, if anybody has a question, uh, let us know and we will answer it before we head out for the night. Let's uh, see. While we're waiting for questions, let's see. Walter says, imagine Rob coming back now. I think, Rob, there's a second chance that those who didn't catch Jeff saying it, I actually missed it. I had to go back and rewind. Uh, Jeff said at the end of the episode, uh, at the end of the challenge, uh, if you lost this Edge of Extinction challenge, you'll have one more shot to get back in. Rob could come back. I mean, Rob was right there. And if another challenge happens, and he could easily win. I think we saw it in Edge of Extinction Rick Devins comes back for the first challenge and Chris Underwood was right there and lost his last second. And then Chris came back and got back in the game. So Rob could easily get back in the game now at the final five or six or whatever. And I do want to say as well that Wendell, um, he's another guy pretty good in challenges. So, and I, again, I, I have a gut feeling that we haven't seen the last of Wendell and I don't know why. Ooh. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was just, maybe it was just cause uh, maybe it was just cause uh his his edit before this that between him and michelle that i felt like he was gonna go far in this game but who knows maybe 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 michelle takes him out when he comes back maybe they work together when he comes back maybe he doesn't come back at all but i do think that edge of extinction gained another challenge threat so and now we have a question from walter if rob does come back and make it to the final tribal does he sweep the jury i i don't honestly i don't think uh, i know you agree with this ryan i don't think that they're gonna award two million dollars to somebody who has spent however many a ton of days on edge of extinction like that happened in 38 it was all it was all returnees i mean it was it was no, it was only four returnees it was mostly new players i just don't think there's any way that happens see normally i would agree with you but i feel like it's going to be so hard to read this jury mainly because of pre-existing relationships like if this was like survivor all-stars back in the day where these people did, maybe didn't know each other that well i would say you're right yes if someone came back in they're not going to award two million dollars to someone who got voted out. But if you think about it, if Rob's in that final three, he gets, if, let's just say they're, they're, they're all on the jury. He gets Amber's vote. He gets Tyson's vote. He gets Parvati's vote, Ethan's vote. He's going to rake in a lot of votes. So I, I guess to answer Walter's question, he could sweep the jury. I actually don't think in winners at war, we're going to see a sweep. I think we'll see a pretty close final vote because these are all really competitive players. But I think Rob, if he comes back, he's got a shot. If you're Boston Rob and you come back and get to the end, you, you're going to get a lot of credits. And yeah, and Dylan says, "Do you think winners will allow that?" Uh, I look. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't, again. I don't know. Will will like you said. Like they winners may allow it because they are all very close with Rob, um, the ones that are on the jury so far. But maybe they won't. I don't really know. It also depends. Like, do we think that it's going to be the same as season thirty-eight, where the win, where the edge, where the um, edge of extinction comes back at seven or six, or do we think that maybe they're going to shock us and bring somebody back for the last time at eight or nine, where they have more opportunities to make moves and prove themselves. So, and it also obviously depends on 
you know, is he, is Rob getting back, making a bunch of moves and then sitting next to Adam and Ben at the end? Like we, we don't really know. There's so much. So do I think it's going to happen? Do I think that winners would allow um, somebody to spend that long time on edge of extinction and win? Probably not. Is it possible? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I know. I agree with that take. I think it's not very likely, but because of pre-existing relationships, it's possible. Um, Matt Daniel asks, do you think Tony's poor performance in Game Changers helped him? A hundred percent. I mean, granted, I think, Matt, if Tony did bad in Game Changers and then did the same thing this season, then it didn't help him because he didn't learn. But I do think when you go out that early in such a big fashion, it probably helped him a little bit. It helped him because he learned from it. I think he was still a big name coming in, so he had to adapt. But I think if you go out that early, you're probably helped a lot by it, I would think. Yeah, I mean, when you when you win and dominate a complete completely dominate a season like he did in Kageon, which was a great cast, by the way. Obviously, we saw a lot of them come back and do well, yeah. um, and then go out second in game changers. I think it's I think it shocks you a little bit, and I do think that he's learned, and I think that that's why he's playing so well. Um, so as I said before, um, yeah, well, yes, I think it. I, yes, I think it helped him, and yes, he's skying up my if I were to make power rankings right now. Yeah. Um, and then we have our next question from Tyler predictions on who goes next. See, this With- is hard Tyler. Cause I think I called it last week's podcast where I said, I think the merge route's going to be Denise and I'm sorry, not Denise. I'm sorry. No, Denise won immunity. Um, I said the merge boot was going to be either Adam or Ben or Nick and Wendell, either the two guys on Sele or the two guys on Yara. And it ended up being Wendell. So that was pretty easy to call this. Uh, I feel like this could go any way. I mean, we don't want to read into the preview because the preview can be misleading. We see Nick's name brought up. We see Sarah's name brought up. Um, for all we know, Sophie could be in trouble because she pulled off this big move. I'm going to go with I'm, – I'm sticking with low threats. I'm sticking with either Nick or Adam. I'm thinking that Jeremy goes back to the big threats and says, look, we got to stick together. We cannot let them pick us off. I could see Nick or Adam going next week. That's my gut feeling. Yeah, so it's tough to say. Like you said, voting blocks have been so, so such a thing that you never know if the nine three. Well, I guess now it's eight. Well, it was not. It was what was it eight? Uh, what are the numbers at this point? Eight three. There are eleven people left in the game, so the vote was nine to three to take out Wendell at twelfth place. There's eleven people left. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, I think those numbers could could stay, and you get either Adam or Nick going home because if you're those big threats, you're like. You're like, oh, like you gotta you gotta keep as many big threats in right now, especially when there's still eleven left. Um, but then I also I also I, for some reason I think that it's possible that I don't know why I'm saying this because Jeremy is so calm, cool, and collected. And I look, I think there's a high chance that he will, but my gut is also gonna tell me that maybe Michelle, who's on the outside right now, maybe her way to weave back in is to go up to Jeremy and be like, Look, I know I didn't know that that vote was happening. Um, and you, you, I know you did cause you voted Wendell, but I know that you really wanted Wendell to stick around and they did not do what you want to do. Why don't we shake things up right now? And even if they vote, even if they vote like Ben out or maybe not, maybe, so maybe Jeremy keeps the big threats around while voting out one of his own and switching his alliance up, you, you know, you never know what could happen. And just because Jeremy were to switch to Michelle next week, doesn't mean that Jeremy can't realign with them. Like it's, it's all winners. Voting blocks are a thing. Anything could happen. So Right now, I would say I agree with you that I think that for one more week, they're probably going to stick with all big threats. And I think Adam and Nick are in big trouble. I think Michelle will probably weave her way back in, whether it's Sophie bringing her in or anybody, Jeremy bringing her in. 
So I'm going to have to go with Adam or Nick as well, but I do think that there's a possibility that Jeremy tries and switches things up a little bit. Yeah, no, I think we're not out on Michelle and Jeremy yet. They can easily get back into this game. I could see a, a scenario, like you said, where Michelle goes to Jeremy and says, let's shake things up and take someone out. It could easily happen. Um, but no, I mean, I think we're in lockstep that with the current state of the game, Tyler, I think Adam or Nick might be the next one out. Um I guess the flip question is who's not going home next week? Who's in a good spot? I, I think Kim. I think Kim is still positioned so well. Kim is not going to be targeted by a lot of people. She's good with Jeremy. She's good with Denise. She's good with um, Tony. Um, I, and again, Kim is a big name. Granted, you could argue the cash she played with, but Kim is such a big player and so talented, but she's still positioned so well here. So I think Kim is somebody who we think not, is not going to go home next week. Uh, I agree with that. And I know I, I hate to just like disagree on everything you say, no, but man, you, you, you hit you hit the nail on the head. Um, but what I was gonna say also is, even though Kim is not being shown as much as Tony, I think the argument that we use for Tony about playing the under radar game could be used for Kim as well, because that's something that she had to do. She was on her knees crying in the first episode because she was a huge target right away. And next thing you know, now she, her threat level is pretty much gone. Yeah, and she's pretty much done the same thing as Tony, but you're just not seeing it as much. So I think Kim is safe going forward. Um, and if I had to choose one more differently, um, I'm going to have to say that Ben being, a, uh, even though, I, even though I just mentioned that, you know, you never know what Jeremy could do if he flips over. I think that Ben aligning himself with the big threats is a good move because when it does come, <laughs> when it does come time for them to turn on each other, I don't think they'll turn on each other and vote Ben out. I think they'll turn on each other and go for, go for the, bigger bigger threats um and now we have one more one more question here we say how long do you think sophie's under the radar leadership will last it's almost a sandra type game with the exception of sophie's doing well in challenges Mm. i think that's an interesting comparison actually um i don't i don't think that i think sophie's playing a more like sandra was more any any anybody but me and Sophie's more in control than Sandra was. Sandra was never really in control. She kind of just scraped by, survived, and went to two, went to the in in Heroes Villains, went to the finale with two people who nobody really wanted to vote for at the end. I know Poverty did get a few votes, but nobody wanted to vote for Russell. Um, people didn't want to put, vote for Poverty just for voting for Russell. So I think she just ended up scraping by enough and then positioning herself well. Sophie is definitely more in control than Sandra was in, in Heroes Villains, in my opinion. And, you know, Game Changers, Sandra was voted out early, played a little bit different type of game. And in terms of how long do I think it will last? Well, Wendell brought up Sophie's name today, and then Sophie went right ahead and voted Wendell out. So good for her. That That's huge for her. But uh, I, it's hard to say. I think Sophie's, uh, Sophie's probably in my top three candidates to win the game, I would say, right now, because I think she's playing that well. But like you said, people could see her once the low if the, if they decide to vote the lower threats out first, like Adam and Nick, I think that they could view Sophie as somebody who is that low profile player who's playing a great game. Um, so I, I I think it lasts probably a few more episodes before she's really considered a huge threat. Yeah, no, I think you're right with the um, analysis of that question. I, I don't think, Dylan, that uh, as Dylan said in the chat, I don't think she's playing a Sandra game because Sandra was anybody but me. Sophie's clearly leading a lot of these votes. Even when they swap tribes, she said right away, I want Rob gone. So Sophie knows who she wants to get out. She's not saying whoever it takes. She's saying, I know who I want. So I think that it's, you know, under the radar like Sandra, but I don't think they're playing the exact same way. And then how long do I think it's going to last? 
I think it's going to last a while. I think Tyler brings up a point that, you know, final nine, final eight, there's going to be a point where someone says, oh, light bulb idea. Sophie's leading all these votes. Let's take her out. But I think the only one to see that right now is Wendell, and she took him out, um, which is great. And I think that Sophie is also aligned well. Ben seems to like her. Sophie, uh, Sarah seems to really like her. I know Nick blindsided Yule, but I think Sophie could still maybe work with Yule. She even said, she said, who could I work with, Nick? Work with Nick. Or Wendell? Yeah. And she said, I could work with Nick. And obviously she's going to know that Nick and Wendell took out Yule. So she has to figure out, okay, well, Wendell's close with Jeremy. I'll take Wendell out, but I can still work with Nick. So right there, she's got a nice solid group. And I think one more advantage that Sophie has is that Sophie, in terms of like, again, these spotlight winners that Tony said, like the big names, she's not a big name, but she's playing like a big name. So I feel like that's going to work in her advantage because she is seen as like a lower um, target right now, but she's making the moves behind the scenes. So I think, Tyler, if Sophie can skate by the next few weeks, I think she's going to get to the end. I think if Sophie doesn't go out in the next two or three tribals, she's going to be positioned so well at this point. Yeah, and I Sophie was nowhere on my radar once the season started, and now she has been incredible. Just yeah. We'll have to see what happens. Now, we talk about the idea of people downplaying their challenge uh, challenge threat level. We'll see what happens. I, I don't anticipate sophie like throwing challenges or anything but she is certainly a threat to win individual immunity challenge we saw it on the season she won she beat ozzy in the final one we'll see i if she wins a few immunity challenges within the next cup within the next few episodes she wins immunity that could just raise her threat level and maybe people are going to like start realizing like wow sophie has really been phenomenal so look i and like you said i think that if she could survive maybe until maybe until uh there's around seven or six left, then she's in a really good position. But, you know, she like these next few episodes are crucial for her. And one thing I do want to mention also, now this is unrelated, but one thing that I love is there's so many advantages in the game and there's only 11, there's only 11 left. One's eventually going to come back. So there's only so many more tribal councils left and there's a ton of advantages in the game. So we're probably going to see a ton of advantages used on the home stretch of the season here. Now, hopefully we don't get a Suri type moment. That would be horrible. Please. Please, please. I think these are all great players. And if they start using advantages perfectly, like that's going to be crazy. No, I mean, again, we don't want advantage get in part two. Nobody wants that. But (laughs) no, I mean, we still have Jeremy's safety without power. Uh, Sophie still has an idol. Kim still has an idol. And Sarah has her uh, vote steal. So we still have four advantages in play right now. Nobody found the merge idol yet. I'm sure some will find it next week. but no, I'm excited to see these upcoming tribals where advantages will get played. So. And fire tokens are going to be in play. So yeah. more advantages to buy, more bargaining to do. And I think we're set up for a really good home stretch of the season here, final 11 right now. Yeah, I, again, I think the, the, this can make or break the season. I mean, a season is defined as, did it have a good pre-merge? Was it a good post-merge? And did it have a good winner? And I think the pre-merge was pretty exciting. And I think as long as we keep getting great episodes, winners at war can easily be a top season for sure. Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, we'll wrap up now. But uh, if you would like to follow us on Twitter, you could follow us at Soul Survivor Pod. Um, as I mentioned before, we were on with Russell Hans last night um, discussing the discussing the March Madness bracket that we had made before. And now we're relaunching again with him. That'll launch tomorrow, Thursday, April 2nd. Uh, it's basically fan voting on all the matchups. So you go on Twitter, vote on the poll. 
should be should have a ton of attention with Russell Hans um, involved in tweeting it out. So thank you to Russell for helping us out there. Um, and it should be fun to decide who is as as and I, I want to give credit to somebody on Twitter who said you guys should name this the ultimate survivor bracket. This way, it's not necessarily the best player, but also somebody who could represent survivor the most maybe was a great character as well. So it'll be interesting to see who earns that title. Um, and that all gets started tomorrow. And also, if you enjoyed this, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on Spotify, um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. And yeah, um, should be a great next few weeks here. Yeah, I mean, today may be April, but this is still March. Let's get this bracket going. <laughs> all right. Uh, see you guys.